Awesome. So, you see that? I mean, just in a couple of minutes, you can share your story. And uh, you can do it at school. You can do it in the marketplace. You can do it at work. Uh, you can do it standing in the line at Kroger. And just anywhere. If, if you have a story that you can quickly share. Um, you know, uh, Donnelly, you could share your story in like 12 different places. <laughs> be awesome. All right. So, <clears throat> right out of seminary, I pastored a church uh, on Sand Mountain. Y'all, y'all know about Sand Mountain? Okay, there's, there's a book called Revival on Sand Mountain. It's all about churches that handle snakes. And so I pastored a church on Sand Mountain, but mine was not one of those. You know, you're, you're thinking, I knew that guy was weird. Um, but here, here's the thing about my church in Sand Mountain. We had 35 members. 35 members. So that meant, you know, on a good Sunday, we, we might have 30 people in attendance. And uh, I remember... Somebody told me once, uh, they said, Tom, just wait until decoration day. Now, raise your hand if you know what decoration day is. Okay, you're from the country. If you, if you know what decoration day is. So decoration day is one day a year where if you have a cemetery beside your church, all the people who have family members in the cemetery, they come and they decorate the cemetery, new flowers, fresh flowers, clean everything up, make it look nice. And they said to me, wait till decoration day. We'll have a hundred people here. And so I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait for decoration day because, you know, Easter came, we only had 60 at Easter. If we're going to have a hundred on decoration day, this was going to be incredible. This, you know, revival was probably going to break out in our church on decoration day. Well, decoration day came, and guess what? We did have 100 people. But they didn't come inside. (laughs) They stayed in the cemetery. While I was inside preaching to the 25 who were inside, 100 were outside in the cemetery mowing grass, running weed eaters, and planting flowers. And I say that to say this. Some people are more comfortable in a graveyard than a church. So, let's turn to Mark chapter 5. While you're doing that, I'll mention, uh, we saw the the video about uh, born-again blessings. And they still need volunteers on your way out today. Uh, Look for their table. Um, there's an Alpha luncheon today uh, to train leaders. If you're interested in the Alpha, uh, that doesn't mean you have to have a group meet at your house. You could volunteer in a lot of different ways. So if, just, if you have any interest in Alpha, which is a program to reach the unchurched, um, come to the lunch. Even if you didn't sign up, just come to the lunch. It'll be upstairs uh, in the venue. And then the uh, last thing I'll say is that um, please... Don't forget to sign up for our RS Together dinner on the 14th. This is going to be huge. It's a big deal. Uh, it's another chance for us to get together, get to know each other better, and, know, and learn each other's stories. So come and do that. All right, y'all ready for Mark 5? They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. 
For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in, in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him go, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis. Now, the Decapolis was like a ten-city region. So he's spreading the word in ten cities began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Uh, We need to hear from you. We want to hear from you. And I I know that you have things that you want to say to us. And Lord, I know that there are things that you want to do among us. And so we invite you to come and have your way here, in Jesus' name, amen. So we've been walking through Mark a little bit and just looking at the way that Jesus ministered and the way that he led uh, his disciples and what it looks like to to follow him. And in this particular story, Jesus and his disciples, they've been ministering, and and they've been ministering to large crowds. We've seen how, because of the miracles that Jesus did, large crowds would come to hear him and to see him, and and they they were stirred up, and, and this caused him to have to leave from time to time and, and go other places. And, and we've seen that it, there are times when he goes to look for a quiet place. This is not that. This is not a story of Jesus going to look for a quiet place. This is Jesus making an intentional entry into enemy territory. This is Jesus walking fully knowing where he's headed into enemy territory to confront the powers of darkness. So in Mark uh, 5, 1 and 2, it says that they went across uh, 
the re, to the region of the Gadarenes. And, and when Jesus got out of the boat, there's this man, he comes, he has an impure spirit. It says, we'll find out later that he has a lot of impure spirits. Uh, and as Jesus moves into enemy territory, he finds several things at work. Uh, number one, he finds a man who is hopeless. He finds a hopeless man. The minute Jesus' feet touch dry ground, he steps out of the boat, here comes this man. And, and this man, there's a couple of things going on here that we need to know about. One is that uh, this man is just overwrought with demons. He is demonized out the wazoo. Uh, he, he calls himself legion later on, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. But what you need to know about legion is that it, it represents typically a number. A legion was a, a military unit that usually had anywhere from 3,000 to 6,000 uh, soldiers. And so when he says, my name is legion because we are many, think three, four, five, six thousand. 6,000. Okay, so that's kind of a big deal. Verse 3 says that he lives in the tombs and that no one could help him and that night and day he cries out, and that he actually cuts himself with stones. Now, this is a, a man who is messed up. He has all sorts of issues. He has all sorts of hurt going on in his life. He is full of pain. He is full of horrors. He is full of fear. He is hopeless. He's been pushed out of the community. He's isolated. And it sounds, when you read in the scripture, and you look at the story, and you think, oh, this is legion. There's only been one person in the history of the world who was legion, right? Wrong. <laughs> Don't think that this is that unusual. It seems unusual when we read the story on the pages of Scripture and we see this man lived in a cemetery. Guys, I know people who live in cemeteries. Maybe not physical cemeteries. <laughs> I almost said seminaries. <laughs> uh, okay, that's the topic for a different day, but yeah. You know what I'm talking about. People who live in death. People who live in graveyards. That's where this man is. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said. This is C.S. Lewis describing his life before Jesus. My life was a zoo of lusts, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, a harem of fondled hatreds. My name was Legion. C.S. Lewis. So people today, people around you, people that you know, maybe you, are just as hopeless and just as empty and just as desperate as this man. Until. Until Jesus. Now, we may hide it better. I think it was... It was pretty much obvious to the eye that this man had some stuff going on and we may do a better job of hiding it and we may even act it out differently but the bottom line is this without Jesus all we have is life in a graveyard without Jesus all we have no matter how good or bad your life may seem without Jesus it's leading to death 
The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man and the end of it is death. And that the only way to life is by coming into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, by putting your faith and your trust in Jesus, in who he is, and in what he has done on your behalf. It's not enough to rename the demons and make them acceptable or manageable. They have to be exercised. Well, that's a crazy word, but they do, okay? Now, here's what I want you to understand about exorcism. Don't freak out on me and run for the doors. This is real. Okay, it's not a movie. And nobody's head's going to spin around today. But the truth is, the enemy is alive and he's active. Spiritual warfare is real. And demonic oppression is real. And most likely every person in this room has experienced at some time or another, some level of demonic oppression. Oppression, not possession, oppression. Where the enemy comes against you, tries to discourage you. Anybody here felt discouraged? Ever? Or to disappoint you? Ever ever been felt disappointed? Or depressed? We heard somebody talk about depression. There are levels of depression. Obviously, there are some that are chemical-based and need medical treatment. But some depression is just the enemy discouraging you. Okay. Every one of us experiences things from time to time. Anybody ever felt a little bad about yourself? Maybe felt a little insecure? Felt like maybe you were a failure? Ever said to yourself, I can't do anything right? Guess what? Those thoughts did not originate with you. They didn't. That's not what you want to believe about yourself, is it? Demonic oppression is real. And you can't just rename it and put it in a nice little box to keep it from having an impact in your life. It has to be dealt with, and it has to be dealt with through the power of the cross and the resurrection. So people today just as hopeless, just as empty, just as desperate. Second thing Jesus encounters is a, is a hopeless man. He, he, or a hopeless man that has a healing encounter. So he sees, number one, he sees a hopeless man. And then second thing that happens is this hopeless man has a healing encounter. This is one of the most interesting things about this whole story to me. Is that this man with thousands of demons oppressing him is able to get in front of Jesus. Do you think those demons wanted to get in front of Jesus? I doubt it. They want nothing to do with Jesus. They're scared to death of Jesus. They're begging Jesus not to kill them, not to destroy them. But this man, as bad off as he is, as oppressed as he is, as defeated as he feels, as hopeless as his life has become, he finds a way to get in front of Jesus. And I would just say to you, Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't resign yourself to your current situation. I know that there are things that you're going through that are real. I know that there are are things that people in this room are going through that are hard and heavy. 
I know that there are people in your families that are going through things that are even more difficult than what you're going through, and you just don't see a way that things can turn out well. And I just want to encourage you not to give up. It is so important that you hold on to hope. And when you can't hold on to hope, hold on to people who hold on to hope. Okay? When you can't hope for yourself, find some people who will hope for you. But do not give up. This passage says about this man that he's tried everything. And some of you feel like you've tried everything. And some of you feel like you've been to everyone. And that no one and no thing has been able to help you. And some of you even believe, you know, that you've prayed and you've asked God and you've asked him over and over and over again and nothing has changed. And you're at the place where you just don't believe there's anything that can help you. That's where this man was. No one could help him. Nothing worked. He was desperate. He was hopeless. And then he had an encounter with the living God, and everything changed. We have the only answer. We have the only answer. And this is why, it's one of the reasons why it's so important that we be able to share our God story in any realm of life, in any place in life. It's because people are desperately searching for hope and meaning for life and you and I and people, the people of God have the only answer that works. It's the only answer that works. The third thing we see in this story is, is a homeward call. So we have this desperate man, and then he has a, a healing encounter. And then the third thing that happens is, is a homeward call. And the, the story takes kind of an interesting turn because everything we've seen in Mark so far has been Jesus saying, come and follow me, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And then this guy says, hey, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, no. Go home. I mean, I don't know. My feelings might have been hurt. But Jesus has a purpose for this man. He has a mission for this man. And what is his mission? His mission is go home. Go home and tell everyone what God has done. And I want to say loud and clear that while we're talking about living on the other side of the wall. And while we're talking about being ready to share your story in any place, in every place, I want to say loud and clear, there is no more important place to live your story than at home. Husbands, wives, parents, kids, grandparents, there is no more important place to live our story and to tell our story than in the home. Live your faith at home with the ones that you love the most. Now, let me just mention a couple of things about the community uh, that he lived outside of. He didn't live in the community because they had pushed him out. First thing I'll say about this community is that because they couldn't fix him, they isolated him. Because they couldn't fix him, they isolated him. And I I think we have a tendency to push away 
things and people that we're not comfortable with. And all I want to say about that is that Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was willing to be uncomfortable. Or actually, I don't think he was uncomfortable. I think he was willing to be in situations that made other people uncomfortable. The second thing that this community did is that they offered control instead of freedom. They felt like, well, if we could just control his behavior, it would be okay. And so they resorted to chains, things that would keep him from acting out. Sometimes we try to control behavior rather than change hearts. Sometimes even in the church, we, we just want people to behave. You know, just behave yourself. Just do what you're supposed to do. God is in the heart-changing business. And heart change brings freedom, not control. The third thing, and this is maybe the most telling thing, is that they rejected uh, the presence of God. If you look at this community, they actually were happier as a community when the man was demonized, the pigs were alive, and Jesus was somewhere else. I mean, you read the story, they get really upset because Jesus heals a man, sets him free, and a bunch of pigs drown. That, that's what just stirs them up and sets them off. The kingdom of God came into their town, and their response was, we wish you'd leave. We wish that you would leave. And I believe that really the main point of this story is what happens to a community that is indifferent to the presence of God. And what happens? Well, Jesus gets back in his boat and leaves. And when the power of God moves among us, we have a choice. We always have a choice to embrace or reject, to engage or observe. And if we reject the supernatural presence of God, we will be left chained in a graveyard of hopelessness, or we will be resigned to living in a community that cares more about pigs than people. And I really don't think that that's a good option for any of us. So, Here's what I want to say. Um, Freedom is available. And it's really only available in one place. Jesus is the only answer. He's the only one who can bring freedom into your life. If there are things, if you have thoughts, if there are just things that you think about yourself or things that you think about others, that you would say, this is my prison. The way I think, that's my prison. The things that I believe about church or about God or about other races, these, these are my prisons. Only Jesus can break those chains from you.
Some of you are slaves to patterns of behavior. Some patterns of thinking, some patterns of behavior. You just are a slave to habitual sin. And, And some of you have resigned yourself to, well, if I could just diminish the sin, if I could just do it less, that would be good enough. It's not good enough. Jesus died to break the power of sin in your life. And he's the only one who can. Willpower, not going to do it. You know what causes, you know what willpower will lead you to? Frustration. Frustration. I I think this man wound up in a graveyard cutting himself with stones because of the frustration that he was not able to live the way he wanted to live. Whether it's your thought life or things that you do, uh, habits, uh, sinful habits, or maybe, maybe it's this, maybe the thing that's holding you back more than anything else is that you have rejected the presence of God. You want to be a Christian. You just want to be a Christian from a safe distance. You know, I, I want my sins forgiven. Can, can you just sign up for that and nothing else? Not really. Some of you are actually afraid of God. And not, not in the good way. And so maybe that's what needs to happen today. You just need to come to a place where you say, you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of being afraid of God. I'm tired of being so afraid that God's going to make me do something weird in public that I just hold back and, and say, well, you know, let everybody else do the crazy things and I'll just watch. I got on an airplane one time and flew to a place where the revival was happening by myself, not wanting any witnesses because I wanted God to do something weird, but I just didn't want anybody to see it. At least no friends. My whole visit there for two nights was videotaped and mass produced and sold all over the country. What are you going to do? You want, you, want to, you want to live with God in secret? There's more than that available. I can promise you. <laughs> I almost said come out of the closet. Okay, I'll just go ahead and say, if you want to come out of the, your Jesus closet and fully engage who he is and what he has for you, I can guarantee you, you will never regret it. It may scare your socks off, but you won't regret it. You won't. Okay, so thoughts, actions, habits, pulling back from God, settling for less. That makes sense? Y'all tracking with me? Okay, all right, let me get our teams to come. And uh, 
We're going to go into a... I'm going to do something just a, just a shade different than we typically do. Uh, typically what we'll say at this point is, if you want to respond to those three things, come. But if anything else, if there's anything else that you need prayer for, uh, come as well. But here's what I'm going to say. Um, if you want to respond to one of those three things, you're a slave to thoughts, you're a slave to actions, or you're a slave to fear, uh, I want to invite you to come for prayer here with the ministry teams. If you have, if there's anything else that you want prayer for, I want you to find somebody, a friend or somebody out there and get them to pray for you where you are, okay? And we're going to leave this front area today just for these three things, okay? You all okay with that? We're going to do it whether you're okay with it or not. <laughs> but I just thought I would ask. Okay, y'all ready to stand? All right, let's stand. All right. Holy Spirit, we love the way you work. And uh, we love the fact that at the end of the story, we find a man who nobody believed could be free. And he's free, not only free, he's basically stirring up a revival in a 10-city area. And Lord, we pray that would happen in this room. People who came here enslaved, thinking they could never be free. Become fire starters for God. In Jesus' name.